gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our uh, pre-episode conversation where we're going to talk about the episode you're about to listen to because you are about to listen to our first ever live show that we did on Halloween. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, you guys. So in the interest of time, uh, what you're going to hear is only the Gaily Prophet parts. So not necessarily our really awesome costume contest or a lot of the sort of talking with the audience. But there will there will be a couple of times where you'll hear us respond to something in Zoom chat because we had it via Zoom because 2021 (laughs) yep exactly yeah so folks were able to you know communicate with us via the chat and so yeah when whenever one of us is like oh someone in the chat said whatever that's what we mean by that also feel like i should let you all know that uh i had a a prop a prop newspaper that i turned to the pages of when we were changing sections and so there's a lot of giggling taking place <laughs> whenever there's a page turn. So that's why that's happening and also why the newspaper sound effects is extra loud. But um, I think it's fine. Yeah, normally that sound is just put in in post, post-production. post Is that what it's technically called? Sure, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as, as just a regular sound effect you would find on the internet and not an actual turning of a newspaper. <laughs> so I think we laughed every time. At least I think I laughed every time um you are also after the the live show portion of this you're going to hear um the politics section that we're going to record now because we didn't do the politics section during the live show because politics are heavy and live shows should be lighthearted. i think yeah everyone should be laughing and not thinking about terrible things in the world (laughs) exactly but yeah it was honestly so much fun and we're definitely gonna do more of them if you missed that one just keep an eye out because i'm sure there will be more in the future yeah we'll definitely have to we'll definitely be having some in 2022 because somehow this year is over (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Uh, what is time? Anyway. Yep. So that's it. That's all you need to know, I think. And now we're now, you know, sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray, but tonight you can call me Professor RJ Lupin. And I am Griffin Decker Chardonnay, Jesse Blount, but you can call me the winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award, acclaimed author and professor, Gildery Lockhart. All right, uh, guest and ghouls, tonight we are here to discuss chapter 16 of The Goblet of Fire, The Goblet of Fire, with you live. First time ever. 
<laughs> in which the kids from Durmstrang and Bobatons have arrived, bringing superstar Victor Crumb and suspected Vila Flor Delacour, which throws Ron into a bisexual tailspin, <laughs> much like any millennial watching The Mummy for the first time. Dumbledore shows us the impartial judge for the contestants, the Goblet of Fire, and puts an age line around it that the twins and many other students fail to cross. But it is no match for fake Moody. Um, Hagrid has a crush. Hermione is annoyed at literally everyone. And we meet our champions, Victor Crumb, Cedric Diggory, Fleur Delacour, and Harry Potter, question mark, question mark, question mark, dun, dun, dun. Gasp. <laughs> Excellent. Um, So we are going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. (laughs) (laughs) Fostering international cooperation by putting children in danger. The Triwizard Tournament resumes after centuries-long hiatus. Oh, no, we have to turn it again immediately. Yep. Uh, we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. And Jesse's going to start us off. I just want to say that, you know, it's never quite described what if if there is a difference in the girls uniform and the boys uniform at Hogwarts. But I, for one, am excited that we have confirmation they have pockets, whatever it is. I mean, probably just their cloaks, but we have these uh, six year girls going through their pockets, trying to find something for so Victor Crumb can sign whatever they have available with them. So Thank God. We've been very concerned <laughs> about whether or not there were pockets in this world, so this is a huge relief. Um, all right, so I would like to start by saying that Hermione is in a state, this chapter. <laughs> She's so mad at everyone for everything, and... I don't know. I mean, I when I was first thinking about it, I was like, oh, she's been spending all this time in the library, but she's actually done spending all that time in the library, and she's still so angry. Um, I made a list of things that she's mad about. <laughs> People wanting a famous Quidditch player's autograph. Very angry about that. Um, someone who's too cold, making it clear that they're too cold. <laughs> That's a no from Hermione. Um, Ron thinking that a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that makes him drool immediately might be Avila. Um, and then Hagrid adorably being, like, in her feelings and forgetting that she was going to walk up to the castle with them and leaving with Ma- with Madame Maxime. Hermione is, quote-unquote, indignant. And I'm like, Hermione, come on, buddy. Yeah, she's just in just... A lather of rage. The only thing actually, (laughs) the only thing she is not angry about in this chapter is Angelica Johnson putting her name in the Goblet of Fire. That's literally the only bright spot. She's like, I hope it's her. I really want you to win it. And that's literally the only thing that does not send her into a just like, oh. It's so true. Hermione. All right, what do you have next, Jesse? I'm just kind of annoyed at that scoundrel for not giving us a better description about what this old bejeweled casket that the Goblet of Fire comes in. Mm. Harry's just like, it looks old. And I'm like, 
Do you mean like ancient Egyptian old? Does it look like the Baroque period old? Are you just saying that because you're like, I don't actually care what it looks because I'm just like, but what does it look like? Is there a pattern? Like, are there symbols on it? That's a great question. I'm just very. We would have been shocked if Harry Potter had given us a detailed (laughs) description of this casket. He is not an observant lad. No. I just want to know what what time period and who carved this this uh, old enchanted goblet of fire. So yeah. Um, all right, we get. I think maybe once before at some point I talked about this thing that happens that we get from Ron specifically a lot in the books. That's like this very great narrative device that I really appreciate. Um, and this chapter has two of them. And so I'm going to read them to you. Uh, the first is, yeah, that's right. Smarm up to him, Malfoy, said Ron scathingly. I bet Crumb can see right through him, though. Bet he gets people fawning over him all the time. Where do you reckon they're going to sleep? I wouldn't mind giving him my bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? Just. <laughs> it's so good. And then he does it again pretty shortly after where he's like really grossed out by the shellfish stew, right? And Hermione tells him, no, it's good. I had it in France. And he goes, I'll take your word for it, said Ron, helping himself to black pudding, which is like (laughs) perfect. It's perfect. It's like, it's almost just like, oh, there's a joke in this because so good. Because I was like, but it's just, it's just a seafood soup. I'm sure it's delicious. (laughs) Like what? (sighs) Yeah, no, I love it. And he's the, per- he's the only character I feel like that we could really, that we can really do that with who acts so like, I don't know what the right word is. So I'm just not going to keep looking. It's like he gets it. But then it's like, you like, you're saying these things because you know, and but then it's like, oh, no, you're still like, you're still part of that. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Ew, shellfish. Let me eat some blood. <laughs> Yeah, sorry to oh. all the Americans who are probably looking this up right now. It is it's blood and oatmeal and some other stuff, but mostly blood and oatmeal. They eat it for breakfast. Uh, what do you have next, Jesse? You know, I'm actually I'm glad we're on food because I just really want to know what you think is in Hagrid's casserole that has a giant talon in it. Okay, so I've always assumed it was hippogriff. I don't know why <laughs> she would eat a hippogriff unless it like... I don't know, the hippogriff's got in a fight and, like, it died or maybe, like, I don't know, one of them lost a leg and she was, like, waste not, want not. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, what else? I, don't, I just don't feel like yeah. we see anything else with giant talons, I guess. Yeah, I was really trying to think of this also because I'm just, like, any kind of, like, bird of prey that has large talons doesn't, I feel like, have a lot of meat on it. So I'm, like, it wouldn't be a thing you'd want to stretch out if you, like had only a little bit of beef, but, uh, you know, large appetite. But you could use it if you used a stock. You could totally put a talon part. Like, chicken feet make incredible stock. Yeah, and chicken feet already look like they're from aliens when you... I've put it in stock before, and I'm just like... And they're called, like, chicken claws. I know. Like, what you have to put them in a little, like, bag, otherwise the claws fall out and you're <laughs> you have to them out later. sorry vegans let's move on 
Sorry, someone says that I'm definitely going with giant chicken, which could also be a possibility. Yep. So, okay, here's my last thing for this section. We can all agree, right, that Dumbledore 100% knew what was going to be on that last piece of paper before he even picked it up, right? Like, there was no question of whether that was going to say Harry Potter. I feel like everyone in the Great Hall was like, oh my god, it says Harry Potter, doesn't it? Yeah, without without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, I don't even need to look at it. I know that mm-hmm. it has Harry's name on it. Yeah. So. Harry Potter. Because who else? No. Who else? Right, exactly. Literally no one else. There's a total plot twist where it says Fred Weasley and it's a way better book. <laughs> I, honestly, I would read that book. And I was actually kind of thinking about it. I'm like, it would have been funny. Not like funny, because obviously what, what happens to Cedric isn't funny. But like, what if like Warrington or Angelica would have been the other Angelina? Champ? Angelina, yes. I know. I think about that all the time. That's a fanfic out there. Someone please direct me to it. Anyway. Uh, yes. What do you have? Um, I think my last thing is that before it just gets very fraught, I'm just really glad that Hufflepuff had this win. Oh, I know. Where they're just used to being just like the the joke of the school even though clearly it should be the house full of fascists but for for whatever reason everyone is like hufflepuff whatever and finally they were like yes the what the hogwarts champion is gonna be (laughs) cedric diggory uh and i'm just like i'm just so happy for them before i mean harry's name come out of the goblet but yep yeah me too they deserved it Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to the education section where we talk about goddamn schools because there's three currently, so not just this one. Uh, Jesse, would you care to start? I would care to start. Um, my first thing is perhaps to the surprise of no one that Dumbledore should turn up the fucking heat in this goddamn castle. <laughs> like... I know Hermione's like, oh, why are they not even wearing like cloaks? It is cold. I looked it up today. What I found a city at the north bit of Scotland for Halloween 2021. And it's like 44 degrees Fahrenheit outside, 7 degrees Celsius for literally everyone else. And so it's probably cold inside of this stone ass castle. Hermione, I know you're just used to wear a cloak to dinner because it's fucking cold, but that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, you should like you don't have to you should have to wear your coat indoors to eat dinner. Like, I feel like the Bubbleton kids are like, where are we? <laughs> I know. Imagine Why? going from the south of France to fucking Scotland, and then they're like, Hope you're comfortable, and you're like, No, it's what are you doing? This castle sucks. Cause it does. Yeah, they, they dress to impress, and then they're like, oh, I was not prepared to have to wear, like, a fur coat. <laughs> um, sorry, someone in the chat just said I'm the truest iteration of Lupin that's ever been, and I feel a little weird because I've always <laughs> thought of myself more of a serious, but I'll take it. It's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we definitely can't let a Halloween at Hogwarts pass without talking about live creatures as decorations especially live creatures that poop a lot i can't remember the last time we talked about a halloween but i feel like someone emailed us maybe and was like 
what if there's like a protect like a protective like layer so like the <laughs> so then there's just like you have to imagine just like an entire ceiling of just like bat guano above these kids heads i was like that is not better I don't think there's a good solution aside from these being magic bats, but I do feel like Harry would tell us and he's just like live bats. That's what we have. Yeah. You would definitely not be able to see the the ceiling if it was just full of bat poop. Exactly. Bats poop so much and you can get sick from that. So Hogwarts. What a ridiculous place. I want to talk about just the Durmstrang kids being very impressed by the like gold plates and stuff that they're eating off of, which honestly I forget that they're like eating meals off of gold plates <laughs> <laughs> until we get to this part. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Only during <laughs> feasts. These are the, this is their good China. <laughs> they get out for the feasts. But mostly I'm just kind of like, Dreamstrand, like what is your good China look like? Is it, are you just not as, Wealthy as apparently Hogwarts is with their gold uh, feast plates. Apparently, I feel like we get that a lot from Crumb later about how much like fancier Hogwarts is than the Durmstrang castle, which is like, considering how janky Hogwarts is, it's like really upsetting. Yeah, I know. I just imagine like... I don't even know what I imagine. It's just like one giant long hallway <laughs> with like some classrooms. <laughs> I'm not sure where they're sleeping, but it's just... Right? I agree. Someone just said, isn't gold a very soft metal? And the answer is yes, it is. It's a very soft metal. But you have like gold-plated stuff. Right. That's true. So, But they don't... Don't you plate things by like using a lot of electricity? Hmm? Do I know that? That might not be true. I don't know. What I do know is if you have any dishware that has like a gold line around it, like you can't put it in the microwave for obvious reasons. That's true. You definitely can't. (sighs) Um, So speaking of Durmstrang, for a second I could only access Bobaton. Um, (laughs) I get the impression that Karkaroff somehow stacked the deck with the students that he brought so that actually only Crumb was a capable like entrant to because oh. the way he treats the rest of the kids and the way that they're all described it seems like there was never a chance that it was going to be anyone but crumb so i imagine that like whatever the other schools did to have their like narrowing down contests Karkaroff like lied about the results of those and then was like uh everyone who didn't do well and crumb so that we can have you know extra attention or whatever interesting that's a really cool idea yeah i just assumed that kakarov really just disdained every and all students except for like victor Crumb and whatever other successful students he has just because i'm like what are your qualifications for being a headmaster because <laughs> we know that you're an old death eater and like so he Appears to not have, like, he seems to have a British accent, I think. So he's, like, not even from whatever part of the world Durmstrang is in. It's very curious. Maybe he just conned his way in. Mm-hmm. Which seems surprisingly easy in the witching world. That's true. That's very <laughs> so true. Good point, Lockhart. <laughs> Someone just said Crumb and three 10-year-olds in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yes. That kid just that ten year old just wanted some wine. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's really hard to eat without dribbling food all down your front when one person's doing the arms and the other doing. The All right, do you have anything else here? I don't, actually. Cool. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. I really just wish that Jonathan Van Ness could show up and, like, get, and like show and give Hagrid some, like, better products for her to use (laughs) i had no idea where you were going with that and i already agreed with you i was like whatever you're gonna say yes (laughs) yeah no or uh agatha alternately mean jonathan van ness so i don't want anyone to be mean to hagrid ever but yeah it's um really sad like what we (laughs) what we see of Hagrid trying to like pretty herself up and having like no idea how to do that. Although I think that like she doesn't need to. And I think that she does an incredible job being her best off butch self. But I would, I would love for her to be like, yes, I feel confident in knowing how I want to like do a little something different with my hair today. Right. I do in fact want to channel some of that Bill Weasley ponytail life. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say there has to be a spell for that, but if I was Hagrid, I don't think I would point my wand at myself. No, not at all. Okay. I just, I don't understand why the Triwizard Tournament is an assessment of children's ability to cope with danger. Like, remember that that really cute obstacle course from book one? That was like, you know, protecting the yeah. the sorcerer's stone. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do for a Triwizard tournament? Just like something that's not dangerous, something that's like not ever going to involve like live dragons, as an example, <laughs> or blast ended screws. Yeah. There are just yeah, so truly. many, so many ways to uh compete in things that are novel and exciting to watch that don't involve um, almost dying. Or at least maybe so directly almost dying. Yeah. Just because, I mean, there are a lot of sports where it's like, it can get dicey if you don't do it correctly or something happens, but it's not like in it of itself going to kill you, like trying to take a dragon's egg from a brooding dragon. I'm like, that seems like a terrible idea. (laughs) That's such a bad idea. It's like, even even if you could have interacted passively with dragons like that any other time of the year, it's like, we all know what happens with people who try to get between, like, bear cubs and their mom, and they, like, it's getting, like, murked on sight. And you throw in some dragons, like, just the worst idea. I know, just like what we see from the dragon handlers in a few chapters when... There's not even anyone threatening the eggs and they like they're there to like keep things under control and make sure no one dies. But it's like you very nearly did not succeed in getting that dragon under control just in a like normal circumstance. Why is this what we're doing? (laughs) Why? I know. 
Um, okay, what do you have? I guess, and maybe this is for the next section. I just find it interesting that Harry isn't affected by Floor at all. I also was intrigued by that. Yeah, puberty's coming slowly for Harry Potter, I think. Like, he's having cute feelings about Cho, but I just think, like, they're just not... They're just not there yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the person in the comment that said gay, we are committed to reading Harry as bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> that is the easiest explanation, but we're going with puberty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also want to uh, throw in, he does have very cute, romantic-ish feelings for Cho Chang, even if she is the most unfortunately named character in this book. Um, I'm sure she is a cutie, so. Yeah. Okay, so can we all please agree to never enter into binding magical (laughs) contracts to participate in dangerous situations without reading the terms? Dumbledore's just like, this is binding. You can't back out if you do it. What happens if you back out? Do you die? Like, shouldn't you know what that means that you can't back out? I just, I'm so, I'm so angry. It, the whole thing is very frustrating. Even if they're like, we need everyone to be of age. You need a permission slip, a permission slip to go to Hogsmeade. Why doesn't you, why don't you have to have a parent sign off before you enter your name into parent or guardian into this dangerous ass year-long contest i mean they're they're adults you don't need a permission slip anymore if you're if you're legally an adult but like i do think someone should make sure that you're like understanding what it means that this is a binding magical contract yeah and if it means like your heart explodes if you try to back out once you've been chosen that should be stated like very clearly maybe you should have to like sign something being like i understand the risks it should be harder than just putting your name in there after dumbledore i almost said voldemort (laughs) (laughs) after dumbledore is like it's binding but also why put that intense of a contract on a thing for young people are doing right (laughs) why what if someone gets sick like, if you, like, get mono when you're participating in the Triwizard Tournament, do you then die because you can't participate in the Triwizard Tournament having nothing to do with having gotten mono? Like, what is this? I know. I don't like it at all. It's a, uh, it's a bad, uh, it's a bad way to run a contest that's supposed to foster international unity and friendly competition i'm just saying and everyone who's like yeah the squid squid game had it easier understand rules and regulations you are correct (laughs) which is (laughs) with the stakes i mean obviously not as high in this but if you're involved with something that has the potential of you dying you you should clearly know all of the rules and what all of them mean what happens if you back out must be really really bad or else they would have let harry back out you know yeah, but it must be you must die, which is right. like, why? Why would you have that? Like, maybe just, like, don't use a different tool for, like, choosing the participants and not the goblet if the only way to use the goblet is, like, you die if you back out. Yeah, you could have picked people randomly at that point and it would have been better than 
heavy. The goblet choose someone that's going to murder you if you can't participate in these games. <sighs> okay. Um, yes. What else do you have? I actually don't have anything else. Cool. We're going to move on. I'm going to skip my last one for that one. I mean... It's too late. I turned the page. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome live to our brand new segment the personals section where we talk about sexy stuff finally a sexy stuff section for this podcast (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) what a what a rich tapestry when your characters start uh hitting puberty Mm, yes would you like to start i would like to start and i'm gonna start with ron's bisexual panic this (laughs) chat Me too. I'm also going to start with that. <laughs> it is truly a joy. Just And I think my I think my favorite my favorite part of this chapter besides Ron straight up being like, I wouldn't mind giving him my bed. That's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> is there's a bit in the chapter where Harry is describing the six-year girls who are all, like, Twitter-pated about Victor. And then mm-hmm. Ron is behaving exactly the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I'm like, I just, I love it for Ron. I just, you know, I'm sure Victor Crumb is probably very attractive. But I think also part of that is just the attraction of people who can do something really super well. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that Ron asks both where Victor is sleeping and then later where the Bobatons kids generally are sleeping, but we know that he's thinking about Floor. Like, it's just, he's so, he's like, so, I don't know, I have a bed. Other people might need beds, maybe. Like, Ron. Yeah. So, but... Speaking of what you said about, like, your sure crumb is very attractive, I think this is a great moment to revisit your question of whether or not he's a Vila. Because if we're using Ron as our litmus, he really is having the exact same reaction to both Crumb and Fleur, which makes me think that you are entirely correct. Which seems like somehow stacking the deck with your champions. But, you know, (laughs) as we know from Hagrid being... Not totally human does give you some biological advantages. That's true. And there doesn't seem to be anything in the rules and regulations about (laughs) you have to be... 17, that's it. That's all that matters. (laughs) (sighs) That's true. You're so right. Fleur can throw fire from her hands. That is a huge advantage. Why doesn't she do that to distract the dragon? That would be way better. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe some like extra like maybe extra sense sensory stuff, but like I don't know. Birds have like better eyesight than us and shit. Like who knows? Like what other cool stuff she inherited besides rendering a lot of people unable to think <laughs> clearly <laughs> around yeah. her. Which, you know, also is an advantage, to be perfectly honest. That's true. So, that is true. Um, to the person who says because J.K.R. hates femmes, you are correct. Yes. 
Um, great. So Hagrid's in love. It's so good. It's so cute. Even though it's your turn, I just realized that. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your turn. <laughs> yes, please. All right. Um, so I think that so we get Seamus talking a lot of shit about how pretty <laughs> Cedric Diggory Cedric Diggory is in such a device derisive. <laughs> like tone yeah. and I, I i i can't there's like no other reason i feel like for this except for i think dean must have once said something that like how pretty cedric was and simmons was like on site i just can't oh. can't stand this oh, anymore you're so right you're so correct oh my god can you imagine like every time he says it dean is like on the other side of him like oh my god seamus let it go i said it once at a quidditch game (laughs) i told you i was sorry (laughs) (sighs) he's not even my type it's all right (laughs) oh my god that's that's great um, okay, yes. So I just want to like have a little love fest for like Hagrid's cottage core like butch suit that I think we maybe decided before is like not as horrible as Harry describes it and is like corduroy as opposed to like Harry quote unquote. Um, I just feel like her her dress up look is like really good. Yeah, I think so too. And Harry just uh, can't appreciate it for what it is. It's true. Um, I have like one last point. Okay. I think I just like that. I feel like maybe for for Hermione, the thing with her, her and Victor wasn't a like attraction lust at first sight thing, but more of a like, oh, we have like shared interest, and you're not a complete douchebag. <laughs> And yeah. I just think that's really nice. That's Hermione all. feels to me like the kind of person that ha- like has to get to know someone before she can be interested in them, which like as that kind of person I like really respect. Yeah, I'm also deeply that kind of person. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a vibe and it definitely feels like Hermione's. Um, okay, we're like a little bit ahead of schedule. So Jesse, if you want to bring up any of the things that you had extra in the front page, we can. Otherwise, we can get to our last segment. Okay, I do have okay, I do have one more thing that I want to bring up, which is I feel like Harry being surprised about seeing Crouch Sr. and like witching robes and being like he looks so. It made Dumbledore look even more weird, and I'm like, you made him. You mean it made him look more like a gay hippie next to Crouch? <laughs> and I'm like, you are probably correct. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, Harry. Uh, yep. So all we have left is horoscopes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're gonna finish this uh, episode. With some horoscopes. I actually need to ask of you all, do you want me to tell you the name of the character that inspired the horoscope or just their sign and hope that either you know their birthday or you can tell from context clues? Tell you the character. Okay. There's a consensus. All right. I will do that then. Here we go. 
Uh, welcome to Horoscopes, uh, where we tell you what the stars have in store for our characters this week. So this first one is for Ron, who is a Pisces. There's a reason they call it bisexual panic, Pisces, and this week <laughs> Venus in Scorpio demands that you take a good hard look at those lusty feelings. But Pisces, there's a time and a place for everything, and your friends don't really want to hear about how horny you are. Save it for the bedroom. <laughs> Uh, to whomever just said bye pisces uh represent i'm i'm one of your brethren so hello (laughs) next one is for harry who is a leo 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 if i had a quid for every time you inserted yourself into the spotlight without being invited well I'd be rich, wouldn't I? That's it. That's the end. Oh, God. Oh, poor Harry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. This one's for Hermione, who is a Virgo. Virgo, everyone knows that you have opinions about everything, but they don't need to know what all of those opinions are. You value honesty, so I'll be blunt with you. If you're not careful this week, you're going to be a real jerk. So swallow that judgment, Virgo. No one cares. (laughs) 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 And lastly, we have Hagrid. And this one's just cute, just so everyone's prepared. You don't have to laugh because it's not necessarily funny. It's just sweet. Uh, Hagrid's a Sag. Sagittarius, your trademark impulsivity has your heartstrings in a twist, doesn't it, Sagittarius? You're the master of leaping before you look, and the stars are smiling at you right now. So get dressed up and make your move. This is your time to shine. Yay! I know. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. So this is apparently the first time that there has ever been quote-unquote foreign food at Hogwarts. Which makes me the most sad for every not-white student at Hogwarts who is once again being like, can something, can someone please season this food? Right? Like, right. Why is it a seafood bouillabaisse base available all the time at Hogwarts? You're clearly a very rich magical school. <laughs> That sounds great. I want to eat. I want to eat that. It sounds incredible. Yeah, I feel like I don't know what the right word is. Infuriating. It's very upsetting to think about the fact that they're just eating like the same foods every day, and that any kids who are not like white British children are just never having the kinds of food that they maybe eat at home. Or, like, the kinds of food that they like because British food is, like like you said, severely lacking in a lot of things, including seasoning. And I I feel like I would just be especially pissed where it's like, so obviously you're not breaking out the gold, the gold plates and goblets all the time. But Hogwarts is clearly the kind of, like, old money place where they could afford, just not like, we could only afford to feed you guys four potato dishes at a meal. It's like, (laughs) you must have some magnificent garden plot, farmland somewhere we could be eating. And I mean, granted, you know, an 11-year-old doesn't necessarily have a refined palate. Not all, you know, I'm not generalizing all 11-year-olds. 
And sometimes you just do really want to eat three different kinds of three different kinds of prepared white potatoes. But it's just absurd to think that it just it just sounds like you're eating like summer camps cafeteria food. <laughs> like every day for nine months for seven years. Yeah. It's 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 very upsetting. I feel like it, when French food is like offensive to the students of Hogwarts, like you are really not you're really not representing. And I mean, granted, I I'm a, I'm an American. I do not understand the depth of the English French rivalry. I know I know rivalry isn't the correct word because there have been wars, uh, like literal wars about this shit, but. It just, I, it kind of, I, it feels, it feels like to me the same way I view a really intense sports rival rivalry, where you do really weird, out of the way things because of this, because it's like, oh, I, you know, I don't ever want to wear blue and gold because I fucking hate, you know, U of M sports, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah, I don't understand any of this, and it just feels like a way more extreme version where the kids at Hogwarts could be eating baguette and like butter all of the time it's not like I don't think we really need to (laughs) be against the French to enjoy a delicious bread covered in butter (laughs) (laughs) but I think from this sense is that like in in no universe they serve that at Hogwarts which is like but why not I know Yep. Um, and I think the answer is is xenophobia. Yeah, it's real weird. I mean, considering that scoundrel, I'm not shocked. No. No. God, imagine if one of the if one of the um participating schools was from like India. I feel like Ron would have fainted. Ron would have started crying because he like bit into something that was like mildly spiced. <laughs> oh god, it's true. <sighs> Yeah, he would have been, like, guzzling milk. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Yeah, sorry. This just reminds me, I, I was in, like, in a work meeting years ago, and someone was telling me that they, like, spent, like, a year abroad in the UK, and they came back, and they're like, I can't even handle, like, I can't handle any amount of spice, spicy food anymore, so I just spent a year. And I'm like, but I don't know where you were, but you didn't have to not eat spices. <laughs> yeah, what, if, what about... All of the incredible Indian restaurants. <laughs> and like, she was a white lady, so I'm kind of like, okay, well, that sounds like a you problem that you just cut yourself off from such a variety of different, of properly seasoned food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think about that sometimes. I'm just like, you really just spent a year in the UK and just didn't eat anything flavored. <laughs> what? That's terrible. Yeah, I didn't say anything because it was like I was. It was like a client meeting, but I was just like, "Why?" (laughs) But and then you came back and you still just don't eat anything that's even remotely spicy. Because I feel like sometimes I meet white people where they're like, "Oh, that's too spicy," and I'm like, "It just has spices in it." (laughs) Uh, yes, we can probably talk about something else. What do you have? There's a whole section of this chapter where Ron and Harry are talking about Floor being part of Vila. Mm-hmm. Like it's some outrageous, like, don't, you know, this outrageous thing that maybe she is part of Vila. When 
Ron is actually reading the situation right and is being like, from what I know about Vila's and how I felt at the World Cup, I am pretty sure she is a part part Vila. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like a thing. And of course, Ron ends up being right because Flora's great grandmother was a Vila. I thought it was just her grandmother. Her gra- was her grandmother a full vegan? A vegan, Jesus, a full <laughs> a full Vila, or was her grandmother half Vila? One moment. No, her no, her grandmother's a full Vila because she that's yeah that's the core that's of what's her in wand. her wand, yeah, yeah. An heir from the head of a Vila, one of my grandmothers, <laughs> says the book because I just randomly opened my book and I opened to two pages before what I was looking for, so that's cool. Anyway, all right, so yeah, so she's two generations, yeah, and she's and it, and that power is still like it's still popping. Yeah, I mean, honestly, good for her, but I just. It feels it feels like it must be weirdly frowned upon to have a not oh my god, sorry. What do we call magical beings that aren't people? I never Other magical down. people. Uh if you have other magical people in your family, like in your direct blood family that you're like related to, see it must be like it must seem weirdly shameful, even though in the course of the book we we see it happening like time and time again. Where we have folks where it's like, you know, they're, is the same way as we like extra, extra human? <laughs> like, you know, they have, in, in their family, there's been magical people and then non-human magical people. Mm-hmm. If you're part giant or part Vila or part goblin, is that what, is that what? That's an extra canon thing. With uh, Flitwick? Is yeah. that, because I, I know there's always a sort of an assumption that it's based on the on the movies. It's not in the text. I feel. I mean, I feel like in the text he's described more as being like part pixie or something like that. But because mm-hmm. he's like wispy and floaty. Anyway, yes. Go yeah. Ahead. But uh, so yeah, even just sticking to the book, described as being maybe also having some um, non-human magical being in his family tree. Right. But it's yeah. It's like not. It's not like ever really discussed and even later in this book we get Hagrid sort of verbalizing out loud about being part giant to uh, Madame Maxine when they're alone or when she thinks they're alone essentially Mm -hmm. and just like in real life it's just really ridiculous it's like okay so it's shameful if you uh, marry and have babies with muggles it's also shameful if you marry other magical people who just happen to not be human. Mm-hmm. So I guess the only acceptable thing is to be pure blood. Cool. Funny how that works out. Right. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, like IRL, just so much hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so much goddamn hypocrisy. And I mean, and we'll get to it in later bits with Hagrid and Madame Maxine. And then especially when Hagrid has collected her giant brother about kind of like the ways in which this sort of metaphor is like kind of like mm, you know because i feel like it seems like the sense is sort of like oh there's something like wrong or like dangerous with like floor or like hagrid because they are not quite human mm-hmm. which is 
not a good look. No. <laughs> Frankly, uh, not really a good metaphor <laughs> at all. Uh, especially as we know in the hands of this scoundrel is just not, you just don't want, just like don't even try. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. All right. So I think we have to talk about house elves. Because mm-hmm. uh, we get this very, very frustrating section where Hermione's trying to get Hagrid to participate in Spew. And Hagrid straight up is like, absolutely not. And one of the things that she says is it's in their nature to look after humans. That's what they like. It would be insulting to try to pay them. And then, you know, Hermione's like, what about Dobby? And Hagrid's like, hey, you get weirdos with every breed. But most house elves absolutely wouldn't want that. So that's shitty. And, you know, I feel like we could have a whole conversation around that on its own. But by beautiful coincidence, just today on Instagram, someone commented on an old episode where we talked about the issues with this allegory. And what they said I thought was like so interesting. So I'm going to read you some passages from it. So it says, you know, the the issues with the allegory are even worse because, and can I just say, they hyphenated actual scoundrel JKR as ASJKR. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like we should start doing. Anyway, because ASJKR had to go out of her way to do something this fucked up. House spirits span many cultures all over the world, and ASJKR ignored the fairly consistent lore about all of them. People from the poor to the wealthy made shrines for house spirits and left them offerings. Not doing this could provoke mischief and misfortune which is showed by this most basic and universal rule about these beings, be terrified of pissing off the spirits tied to their home, and they might be able to gain some protection for their families and good fortune by leaving proportionately lavish offerings. ASJKR often uses only the most obvious lore about the particular creature she researches, but even then, but even then, in this case, she had to really try to mess this up. That is such an excellent point. I com- had completely forgotten about that. Th- there's fairy tales about this. With like... The dude with the elves and the shoes and the something. Cobbler, yeah. The cobbler and the elves. I don't know. Sorry, everyone. I'm not looking this up right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a like a, a like guide to, you know, species of fairies book when I was a kid. And one of them was brownies, I think. And like the main thing about them was that you had to like leave them like cream and, you know, other sort of offerings on the hearth every night. And then they would come in and clean your house. Yeah, I think that's sort of, in general, like, you pay the fae, they might do you a good turn, but, like, not for nothing. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like Don't Piss Off the Fae is a pretty strong through line in a lot of stories about. (laughs) It's kind of like, that's sort of the main thing, is don't don't piss them off, really. Yeah. Uh, And maybe don't eat anything if you're in their realm. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just... In the hands of a better writer, we we could have had Hermione like uncover this whole like somewhere somehow this sort of very equitable exchange of goods and services gets somehow twisted or fucked up, and everyone's just like, "Well, this is how it is now." And Hermione could have really just been like, "Oh no, we're gonna break the shit. <laughs> we're gonna crack the shit open like a goddamn Horcrux," and that would have been so 
interesting. Mm-hmm. And especially because, like, sort of everyone's, the sort of at the core of everyone's explanation to Hermione is, like, right, they like helping humans and doing this sort of domestic labor. And it's kind of like, that just can't be all of it, you know? Right. That's like saying, oh, well, women naturally love cooking and cleaning. And it's like, that's a narrative that really uh, supports the patriarchy on top of being deeply untrue. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but it's, it's convenient for, you know, a whole lot of power, fucked up power dynamics in our in our world. And so, like, what is being upheld to, ha- to be like, oh, yeah, well, Elle's just, like, providing us free labor because they love us question mark they feel like they just want to help out out of the goodness of their hearts and to really devote their entire lives to serving people even if they suck it's like yeah and they're like you know bound to them they can't you know just decide to leave unless they're presented with clothes yeah there's in a situation where someone can't voluntarily leave, you can't, like, this sentence, they like it, is meaningless, regardless yeah. of the, even regardless of the expressed feelings of the person in question. Yeah, it's a very intangible justification for exploitation. Yeah. And I feel like to your kind of earlier point about, like, you're right, like, what Hager says is fucked up. It's very, like, the... It's a very, like, problematic auntie thing to say. <laughs> but I think that... I feel like she at least... I don't know. I feel like it comes off slightly different because she's just, like... They, they want to help people and they would feel insulted by being paid. And it's, like... Does that mean there's something else they wouldn't feel insulted by? Like, right, do they want some cream? Do they want some land? I don't know. Do they want your firstborn? Like, what is it that... What else do ourselves want? And honestly, the wishing world probably owes them a shit ton of firstborns. Who knows? I don't know. That's (laughs) true. Give them all your eldest children. (laughs) Sorry, everyone, you built up a very large debt somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and being offended by uh, being forced to be included in capitalism, I think, is a solid thing to be offended by. So, yeah, maybe trying, like, what if you're free, you can choose to stay at your job, and you set the terms, you know? Yeah. What what makes you feel like this is equitable? And if it stops being equitable, you can go find a different, you know, family to work for. Yeah. Because yeah. at that point, it is working for as opposed to being enslaved by. Yeah. Thank you all so much. It was great. We I can't believe this happened and I didn't melt into a puddle of anxiety. Uh, you're all... Woo-hoo super great and uh jesse's gonna take us gonna take us out yeah and until next time i'd like to say a few words and they are sportingly zero sum bisexual panic and abstruse (laughs) do 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 (laughs) 